you've ever gone somewhere or been on some sort of journey, likely each and every one of us have needed directions of some sort to get to that end destination. There's many different ways these days to get different, way, different sets of directions. Perhaps we use an app, whether it's Google Maps or Apple Maps or maybe even Waze or one of the other options that are out there, and that's how we use it. We use that GPS function on our phone. Or maybe we do something a little more old school. Maybe we still use maps or maybe we print the directions ourselves and we go by those. But I find myself constantly returning to a hallmark myself because my dad is very good at giving directions. It doesn't seem to matter where I'm asking for directions to, whether it's in the state or out of the state or anywhere between, that my dad just has this sense that he's able to tell the major highways and he's able to tell you about where you need to go. And once more, oftentimes he has a few different points of interest or a few different shortcuts that'll get you to your end destination a little bit quicker. And many of us seek to give directions, too. Many of us are trying to help others, whether it's finding our house or finding our church or finding different points of interest that are relevant to us, and we try to direct them in the same way. But what about when it comes to the kingdom of God? Whenever we're talking about the way to get to one place or another, there is no way that is more important than the way to heaven than also to the kingdom of God. But how many of us are so ready and willing to give good directions to end up in this end goal? How many of us are willing to help others get to this destination? We start off this morning with the book of the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah is speaking into the people's reality at that point. Remember that they're in the Babylonian exile, and at this point in time, they've lost hope. They've lost a sense of direction. They don't know what the future quite looks like. And so the Lord is speaking to Isaiah, and we're given a very privileged view, and we're able to listen in on that conversation that the Lord is having with Isaiah. And he tells him, comfort, give comfort to my people, for their time of exile is almost at an end. That he's trying to tell Isaiah that the people are downcast, they're downtrodden, they need some good news, and indeed they're going to receive some. Because he tells that as many different punishments they've undergone, or this exile overall that's meant to cleanse them from their sins and from their wickedness, that they've finally done doubly over for their sins. So it's time to come back into communion with God. And so it's not that they're going to return to God, but God is going to return to them. And so he tells that they need to prepare the way. So he tells them, a voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And this desert image, it gives us that state of utter depravity and utter need and thirst that the Israelites are in. And so in fact, he's telling that this voice is calling out to them and telling them that the Lord is coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. And so we're told even more imagery that goes along with this reading, that every mountain shall be made low and every valley exalted to prepare the way. And so there is this idea that the Lord is approaching, and the Lord is approaching in grandeur and majesty, but he also approaches very humbly, because we hear that same shepherd image, like a shepherd he feeds his flock, that we hear that he is coming very gently to gather his flock and to lead them home. So nonetheless, that voice that is speaking to Isaiah, he's telling them, him that the people need to hear that voice, that he needs to go before them and prepare the way so that the Lord can lead his people out of exile and into their homeland. And so we hear this prayer that comes up in the responsorial psalm, Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. The same prayer that the Israelites would have been praying for so long, it had effect, and so eventually they're led out of that place of sorrow and tribulation and led back to the Lord, their God, by that same prayer. 
We move on and we hear from the letter of St. Peter, his second letter actually, and as he's speaking, he starts off that he tells that time is very different whenever we're dealing with the Lord our God. That a thousand years are as one day and one day as a thousand years in God's view. Any of us who have fallen in love before know that same reality, or we've experienced some taste of this, because as we've been in the presence of the beloved, it seems that the notion of time just evaporates and melts away, because we just enjoy being with that person. It doesn't matter what time it is. Indeed, it should be the same with God. But nonetheless, we're in this period of delay. We're not quite in God's presence yet, and Peter wants to speak into this reality of why this is occurring. He tells that this is direct that God wants none to perish, but this simple patience is directed at salvation. He wants everyone to come into the kingdom of God, and so even that worst person that can come to mind right now, that even that person, God wants them to join the reality of the kingdom of heaven. He wants to join that eternal wedding feast. But he tells of this reality because he says that there is a time that is approaching that is like a thief, whenever the heavens will be opened, whenever the earth will pass away, and all will be made known. He says that in view of this, we want to be that person that we want to be found worthy whenever the Lord comes. That we want to put aside any blemish or any spot, and we really want to approach the Lord in a new way, so that when that time comes, we may be found ready and waiting and willing for the Lord and His return. Then we finally arrive at the gospel according to Mark, and we're at the very beginning, and he begins this beginning with the prophecy, with the one who is telling about the Lord who is to come. So he starts off because Mark is very smart, that he knows that the scriptures of the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New. And so he brings out that line from Isaiah, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord that Mark brings this out because he wants to make it very clear that John the Baptist is fulfilling this prophecy, that he's fulfilling it in a way that the Israelites could have never anticipated. Yet nonetheless, he's telling of it because John the Baptist is there. He's proclaiming that forgiveness of sins, the baptism of repentance, for people to acknowledge their sins, to come before the Lord, and to receive his mercy by baptism in water. And yet, John the Baptist also is aware of his role in life, that he is a prophet, he's not the one who is to come, and therefore he is the voice that is crying out, but he's telling that he is not the one, but there's one mightier than he that is coming, that he is so mighty, in fact, that John the Baptist can't even begin to approach him, he can't even stoop down to, un to loosen the thongs of his sandals, such is that man. And indeed, that's a powerful statement because he's telling that there's this man that's coming, then even the sacraments themselves, that he's going to baptize with Holy, the Holy Spirit, whereas John the Baptist is only baptizing with water. That there's someone that's truly coming, and John the Baptist is ready, and he's preparing that way. And we hear about this way of preparation, the way that Isaiah is speaking about it, the way that St. Peter is speaking about it, then also the way that John the Baptist is speaking about the need to prepare the way for the Lord. But what does that look like in our reality here in Advent in 2023? How is that supposed to change life for us? Well, first, it needs to call to mind the reality that each and every one of us are called to approach the kingdom of heaven. That God wants none to perish, but he wants all to attain salvation. And that, in, that includes each and every one of us. 
And God wants us to attain that eternal kingdom where there is no more pain, no more suffering, and no more tears. Because if you think about the reality that we experience in this life, so often we experience a lot of disappointments. We experience a lot of pain. We experience a lot of suffering. And if we don't, we're simply living life blind to reality. But nonetheless, all of these things are there to tell us that we are not where we are supposed to be. That the Lord wants us to attain that place where there is no suffering, where there is no pain, no trial, no tribulation. And that is nothing else other than the kingdom of God, our final destination and our end goal, or at least it should be. But it's a reality that we need painted out for us time and time again, because sometimes we forget the way of the Lord is to lead us to heaven. But we need to be aware of that reality, especially because sometimes life can be difficult. Life can be rather hard. And in those moments, we need to be aware and we need to be in view of that end goal so that we don't lose hope or we don't become despondent. But we live as a people that are headed somewhere else. And in that we find the way of the Lord, that we need to prepare, that we know the way, but then there is this theme of preparation. And first we need to be aware of this work as it pertains to us individually, that each and every one of us have hearts and souls that need to be renewed, that need to be cleansed, that need to be made whole again. Because St. Peter, he's telling about this way that all of the heavens and all of the earth will be made new, and we want to be found ready and willing, that we want to be found without spot or blemish. Or even when we look back at the first reading, we're told that the mountains are made low, those mountains of sin are completely removed, and the valleys of the things that we should be doing, of the virtues, are made whole, that they're brought up. And all of these things are to say that we need to prepare the way of the Lord within our hearts and souls, that we need to make a place for Jesus to reign and to find home in whenever he comes, not only at Christmas time, but whenever he comes for us in time. But we need to do that work right here and right now, whether it's going to confession, whether it's receiving the sacraments, whether it's simply praying or doing more for our faith, that we need to be going about that reality in our lives. And that's part of it. But the other part is the way that we prepare the way of the Lord, not just for ourselves, but for those that are around us. Those that might need the gospel message in a very vivid and real and clear way. Those that have not yet heard the words of Jesus Christ. Those that have not yet experienced the hope that faith has to offer. That we need to be preparing the way for those people as well. But think about the ways that oftentimes we succumb to pitfalls along the way. Because one of the ways that we can start to damage the way of the Lord and the ways that we can hinder those that are around us is one, that we are not living that ourselves or that we're living it in a different way. Think about this, that oftentimes in our lives or in this world, there is a live and let live mentality that I want to live my way and if they want to live theirs, that's good enough for me. I'll accept that and move on. But think about if we have the way, the truth, and the life. Think about if we truly and really adhere to what our faith teaches us, that we are being led to the kingdom of God by the most foundational and the most direct and important way. Think about the ways that our faith tells us that this is the way to the kingdom of God. If we truly believe that, are we going to let others just simply live as they think? Because if we believe that we have the way, if we believe that we have a way to attain that interpersonal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we would be bold to go and tell about that. But oftentimes we're filled with cowardice. 
many times we find it difficult because we feel like it might embarrass us or it might cause us to feel weak in the eyes of others, where sometimes we feel like we don't have the words to say. And therefore, we kind of excuse ourselves and just say, it's good enough for me, this is my faith, and I'm just going to hold on to it. But what if the Lord's calling us to more? Because he isn't just calling us to simply prepare the way of the Lord within ourselves, but he's calling us to prepare it for others as well, to invite them into the spiritual journey, that if we truly believe everything our faith has to offer, why are we not more bold in telling others about this faith and this way of life? Many times it can be difficult, but it's certainly worth it that if we're on the journey towards the kingdom of heaven, we should be inviting everyone that needs that message, indeed everyone in this world, into that journey so that they too can enter into the halls of heaven. Because it's not a live and let live mentality that Jesus offers us, but it's that he is the way, the truth and the life, not a way, a truth and a life. He is the way. And if we believe that, then we're going to tell everyone about it, even in the times when it's most difficult. But there is one way that we often become a pitfall for others that is even more pervasive or something that's much more insidious. And that's often the way of negativity that enters into our spiritual journey. Oftentimes we can be found to live as if we're indifferent to the reality of faith. That we just simply attend church on Sunday out of obligation, and then we kind of go around doing our own thing, and we mind our own business. Or sometimes we live a hypocritical life. Sometimes we act one way in church, and then we go out and we do the exact opposite when we're out of the purview of the church and of what we think is the Lord's presence. And yet, nonetheless, as we do that, people see the hypocrisy, they see the divide, they see people that are broken in two, and therefore their hearts are concerned and they're confused because they think, why would the person live this way? Or maybe sometimes we even manifest or we make it look like our faith makes us miserable, that it's very difficult to live. Sometimes we make it look like it's a very negative way of life, and therefore, why in the world would we blame anyone else if they don't choose that way of life, if we look like we're miserable every single day whenever we're following the Lord our God? Just think about what we're offered. We're offered a way of happiness. We're offered a way of joy. We're offered a way out of the abyss that is this life. And we're offered a way to the kingdom of God. But sometimes it looks like we're on the way to a funeral all the time. Sometimes it looks like our faith really is something to be escaped. That we're looking for every excuse and every opportunity to kind of bump the faith off and go live our own way and just go running free. Or sometimes we make it look like we're living that hypocritical life. That we can say one thing here and say one thing elsewhere, but people see the divide all the time. Sometimes we're indifferent. Sometimes we just simply live as if faith doesn't truly matter. What if we lived as if faith did matter? What if we lived as a person of integrity, a person that is the same no matter which group of people they're with, inside and outside of church? What if we lived as if faith mattered? What if we lived as if faith made life better? What if we lived as if faith wasn't something to be escaped or be shirked or pushed to the side, but it's something to be cherished and treasured and lived out with every moment at every opportunity? Because oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, people cast us down because they see the ways that we don't live our faith well. And sometimes those statements are quite true. But what if we made them false? What if we showed that we were excited to live our faith? What if we showed that we wanted to pursue the kingdom of God? What if we showed that we're living heart and soul every single day, trying to be that person of integrity, that person that lives out their faith, and that person that's overjoyed and not miserable to live out their faith well? 
Because that's the reality of paving the way for the kingdom of God. That's the way we prepare the way of the Lord. Because if we do all of these negative things and approach to our faith, we can't really blame anyone else for not choosing this way of life because it makes, makes it look like life is made worse or it's made to be something to escape. But what if it's something to be treasured and cherished? What if our faith is important? What if we lived it out to the fullest degree that we could so that in time we can celebrate with the saints in the kingdom of God and we invited others into that reality? Because if we do that, I dare say, my brothers and sisters, we're not just preparing the way of the Lord for ourselves. We're preparing it for every one of us. And each of our brothers and sisters, especially those that are in most need of that message of salvation in this day and in this age. Because we also find ourselves in a hopeless day and age. We find ourselves in a world that's trapped, that's often seeking after things and grasping at straws because it doesn't know where to turn. We know where to turn. We know where we're going. We know the way to get there, and we know how to get there and to get there in the shortest possible way, in the most efficient and effective way. We should be bold in telling others about that because it's not just my dad that's good at giving directions. Each and every one of us are called to be good at giving directions. We know the end goal. We know the end destination. We know where we're headed towards the kingdom of God, and we know that we ourselves are working on that journey. We should be welcome and willing to gather all others. We should be enthusiastic about our faith so that others can find this way of hope, of joy, and of peace, and ultimately of salvation by our own invitation and by the way that we live our life and the ways that we prepared, our way, prepared the way of the Lord. And perhaps that's the question for each and every one of us to consider today. If I'm preparing the way of the Lord, where are the ways that I need to prepare a little bit more or a little bit better? Is it in my own heart and in my own soul? Do I need to approach confession, even though it's been quite a while or I don't know quite what to say? Maybe it's time to do that. Or maybe it's time to put into practice that old spiritual practice that the Lord's been placing on my heart, but I have just been kind of excusing myself from. Or maybe he's just simply calling me to be a better witness, a better disciple, or one that invites others in, or even gives a better face to Catholicism in the world that is in so much need of that message today. That is the ways and the many ways that we can prepare the way of the Lord right here and right now. It's not something that just Isaiah does, and it's not just something that John the Baptist is doing. It's something for each and every one of us to do as well. So what Isaiah heard speak, spoken to him and what St. John the Baptist heard spoken of him as well, I speak to each and every one of us. Prepare the way of the Lord.